<clears throat> All right. So here we are, John the 10th chapter. Fascinating chapter. Awesome chapter. And I'm just going to read the first verse, and then I'm going to digress already. Not crazy. It says, I want to make it, this, Jesus speaking, I want to make this very clear to you. Someone whose agenda is to steal and to plunder the sheep will not come through the gate of the sheepfold. They'll climb over the wall or use some other obscure way. Now, one beautiful thing in the word, which is also, I think, of a little stumbling block for many people, and myself included, is that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse, right? So it's easy to go from one chapter to the next chapter and think, okay, this is a new thought. But this is a not a new thought. This is a carryover from the last chapter. Okay, so I'm just going to bruise, cruise through the last chapter a little bit. We know that he approached a blind man. And the question was, was he born blind because of his sin or his father's sin? And he, he declares him innocent. It's not because of either sin. And then he heals him, right? He makes mud. He puts it in his eye and says, go wash in the, in the, in the, in Siloam. And, and he was healed. And then, of course, everybody's amazed. And then they bring him to the Pharisees. And then we have the problem. We start having this conflict because, of course, he did it on the Sabbath, the day of rest. So this is addressing this. Remember, the Pharisees want him to really deny Christ. Would you agree with us that he's a sinner and a Sabbath breaker? And the guy says, this is amazing. That you, that, you know, he testifies, this is amazing. Who has heard of a, a man born blind being healed? Who's ever done that? And he's, he's actually testifying the prophecies of Jesus. Isaiah, the 35th chapter, says, the blind shall see, the deaf shall hear, and the lame shall leap like a heart. He's a prophet. I mean, in other words, here they are. And in, in the end of it, I'm just going to read the end. And he says, uh, da, 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 right? verse 30, 30, 36, I want to go into this. I want to bring the thought into this next chapter because it's a flowing thought. It's not a new thought. I mean, this, it's, it's continuation. 38, he answers, Okay, I guess I go up. 35. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out of the sheep pen and went looking for him. When he found him, he asked him, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered, then who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him and he is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He said, I've come to judge the world's blindness so that they, so that they may excuse me so that they who are blind may see and those who think that they see those who think that they see may become blind some of the pharisees overheard him key here and said so are we blind jesus said if you were blind you would have no sin but now you say you see and your sins continue this should be this should be actually verse 42 but it's actually john chapter 10 verse 1 it should be verse 42 it says i want to make it very clear to you Someone whose agenda to steal and plunder the sheep will not come through the gates of the sheepfold. They would climb over the wall or use some other obscure way. Now think about it. When we're thinking about this, we're thinking about the last chapter. This is the thought. This is the continuation. The shepherd of the sheep enters by the door. And, and Francois puts her in the context of Jesus' conversation. He emphasizes the fact that the shepherd, shepherd messenger would surely only enter by the door, which is obviously a familiar voice, a prophetic word. Okay. And it says the gate warden lets him in and the sheep recognize his voice. That's uh, where's my, 
I just want to flip over here to the gatekeeper. Because the first thing is, who's the gatekeeper? The gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit. Let's face it. And how is he speaking? He's speaking through John. I want to flip over here to John 1. Let's see, 129. No, I love 29 first, but it says, the next day, remember, because Jesus, or excuse me, John the Baptist is the culmination of the law and prophets in a person. And remember, Jesus said, he said, you, you Pharisees, Search the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. But these scriptures speak of who? Of me. It says the next day. So this John's the culmination of the law and the prophets in a person. To what? He's there to announce the Christ, the Messiah. The next day, John saw Jesus approaching him and declared, the, behold, the Lamb of God. Here's the shepherd. Now we got the Lamb, too. Prophetic. Everything is prophetic. This is the one who would lift up the sin of the cosmos like an anchor from the seafloor for mankind to set himself free. You know, I always like to say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If he did it, what are we worried about? Because he did it past, present, future. He's taken away the sin of the world. We just believe, we know that's true. Jesus, verse 30, is what my ministry and prophetic messages or message are all about. The younger Though younger than I, he ranks above me since he always was. This is John. This is the gatekeeper right here. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in John. I'm not here to introduce him merely as my cousin from a human point of view. My baptism in water is to publicly declare him to Israel as the Messiah whom the prophets have proclaimed. Then John makes this emphatic statement. I gazed with wonder and saw the spirit descending out of the heavenlies and resting upon him like a dove, endorsing her abiding anointing on him, therefore uniting heaven and earth in the incarnate Christ, uniting everything. Now, it says, when it talks about the dove, the spirit says her. I just want to clarify that because people come on there or come in here from a different or hear this somewhere and they have the background. They get upset when they hear that. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is Ruach, which is feminine. In Greek, the, 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 the gender is neutral. In the Aramaic, it's feminine. So that's why he puts that in there. I'm just saying that because I've seen people do that, and I've seen people get upset. And all you got to do is explain it, which is amazing because you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You got the whole, you know, it said, let us make man. In, his, in our image and likeness, he made them male and female. They're both in his image and likeness, not just one. All right. Where are we here? So the gate, gate warden lets him in, and the sheep recognize his voice. Now, think about the blind man. Jesus comes up to him. I mean, pretty bold, you might say. Takes some, you know, spits on the ground, takes some mud, and squirts in his eyes. And then he says, go wash in the pool of Salem. And he knows it's Jesus because after a while, people say, how did you become a well, how did, you, how did you see? He says, the man Jesus did this. And I watched in the pool and say, well, says, so in a, here we got a sheep. The blind man's, the, the sheep he's talking about is an example. So this is a, a story. And he's now taken to a parable to show kingdom principles. My sheep recognize my voice. He, the shepherd, calls the sheep by name and leads them out. He leads them out of the sheepfold. Okay. And that, in Francois says, the prophetic closure. Now, I just want to, I want to go over here to Galatians 3, 25 and 26. Because I want to talk about the sheepfold a little bit. Okay. This is good stuff, isn't it? 
So Galatians 3, 23, now think about the sheepfold. He, he takes them out of the sheepfold. A sheepfold is like a pen. He takes them out of a pen, something that's holding them together, but it's also holding them from green pastures. Remember Psalms 23, he leads them into green pastures by quiet streams so they can reflect and remember, reflect on who they are. Remember in the Old Testament, I mean, the old days, how many mirrors were there? I, I mean, I don't know. I've not looked it up. Probably not many. So how would you see yourself? In the water, wouldn't you? Anyway, no, uh, Galatians 3.23. I get so revved up, I start talking fast. I'm trying to calm myself down. Galatians 3.23. We, now he's talking about the Jews, were confined to the law, kept in custody to its constraining influences, its constraining influences, until the revelation of faith would come to our rescue, which is Jesus, the revelation of faith. The law was acting, how? Just like a slave appointed to be a guardian over his master's children until they would be of age to go to the proper school of Christ to find in faith the righteousness revealed and endorsed. Now that we have arrived at our destination, which is faith, the prophetic conclusion in Christ, the prophetic road signs and pointers are of no further use. It's amazing people still go back to that. No, it's no further use. Faith replaced the, guard, the custodian that is holding the faith replaced. Now that faith has come, the law is no longer relevant. Let me say that again. Now that faith has come, the law is no longer relevant. Remember, Hebrews 11 once says, now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. And the, he's the substance of things we've not seen. The incarnation of Christ is faith. That's who it is. All right, let's see here. Verse 10, or verse 4, excuse me. And when he leads them out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they are familiar with his voice. Now remember, after he got thrown out of the sheep pen, because remember, he, the Pharisees threw him out. Jesus says to the guy, do you believe in the Son of God? And he says, who am I, sir, that I may believe in him? And he said, I to you. I who are talking to him, he, he says, and he believed and he worshiped him. They will never follow the stranger, but flee from him since they do not know his voice. I love this. Jesus told his disciples this illustration, but they did not understand what he meant, which is, and actually, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, how many people today understand the parables of Jesus? I don't think too many. I mean, I, I, mean, I have to be, I have to really like look at it, understand it, but I don't understand all of it. Actually, the more I study, you know, the more, now, when we get into these things, the more they come alive. So he tells another story to make an example to his, for an example for his, his uh, disciples, which is interesting because remember in the Psalms, it says, he will speak to us in parables. Let me say it like this. Jesus continued. I am the doorway of the sheep. First of all, he's a shepherd. Now he's the doorway. It's another illustration the concept of what just happened the so-called shepherds and saviors who preceded me our are excuse me thieves and plunderers but the sheep did not recognize their voices which makes me think of the scripture jesus says to the pharisees he says you go over seas and all you know long distances to make one proselyte one one disciple and you make them 
twice the son of hell as you are. Think about that. I hate to say that, but isn't like church today? I mean, how many people, I mean, they're trying to always, you know, people in church are trying to evangelize, evangelize, and they can't hardly get anybody to come to church. But when Jesus showed up and preached a different gospel, people were coming out of the woodwork to hear what he had to say, except for the church people. Or the, so ten again, the so-called shepherds and saviors who preceded me are thieves and plunders. I mean, he doesn't mix any words here, does he? He says they are thieves and plunders. <laughs> he doesn't. He's not politically correct here. They are thieves and plunders. But the sheep did not recognize their voice. I am the door, and the sheep who enter because of me, because of who I am, is safe to roam freely and find pasture. Remember, back to Psalms twenty-nine. He leads us into green pastures faith is a beautiful pasture it's not an enclosure it's freedom remember the word freedom in the greek means without obligation so i'm going to rip, flip over here to john the uh, 14th chapter the sixth verse mary says i'm the way the truth the life and the ample or in the mirror it says jesus said my i amness mirrored in you is your way this is your truth also, and also your life. Every single person is now brought face-to-face -face with the Father entirely, entirely because of my doing. Not your doing, his doing. Actually, which brings a scripture up in my head is First Corinthians one thirty says, It is from God that you have your life in Christ Jesus who he has made your righteousness, your wisdom, your sanctification, your holiness. It is from God. I love this. I'll say it again. Jesus said, my I amness. Mirror to me is your way. This is your truth and also your life. Every single person is now, every single person is now brought face to face with the Father. How? Entirely because of my doing. Jesus is because of what I did. Because you were in union with Christ when he died. You're in union when he was raised, and you're in union when he ascended. And I, I think probably every Bible study I quote, you know, Ephesians 2, it says, Well, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. He gave you the he raised you up with Christ, gave you the life of Christ, and gave you joint seating with Christ when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. 1010, the thief shepherd has no other agenda but to steal, kill. And he could not care less if he lost some sheep. And they just lost a sheep, didn't they? They kicked the guy, the blind man, out of the sheepfold. They don't care. They don't care if they lose a sheep. You would agree with us that he is a sinner and a Sabbath breaker. What do you mean? Who's ever heard of a man opening the eyes of a blind man? We've never heard of that. Of course, in prophetic scripture, they did. Isaiah 35, the blind shall see, the deaf shall hear, the lame shall leap like a heart, like a deer. And, and let's face this, we haven't seen a deaf man healed yet, but we've seen a lame man leap like a heart. We've seen the deaf or the blind see. He's, he's pointing out miracles. Jesus is the, the prophetic, all the prophetic announcements of what the Messiah would do is coming up. But Jesus has, has a different message than what they're preparing for. Even so much that John the Baptist <clears throat> sent his disciples and they said, are you the one, or are we to expect another? And Jesus said, look, the deaf hear, the blind see, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor and the, and the, or to the poor people. In other words, that's the prophecy, John. Because John was thinking the old way. 
But Jesus came to speak a new, come to bring a new covenant that was totally foreign to their forefathers. As Peter said, you know, the, the dark mind that we got from our forefathers. In other words, the, the Adamic, Adamic Adam thinking, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right. I have come with the sole purpose for you to have life in its most complete form. In other words, the same life that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit now enjoy. Not someday, now. You've been invited into the fellowship of the Trinity without your permission. He's invited you and you're there. And now, actually, revelations are just waking up to what's already happened. It's not going to happen. It's happened. We're just blind to it or we see it. That's all, the only thing that's the problem. I love this. He gave, came to give us life in its, in its abundance. And he didn't come to give us a bunch of denominations. He came to give us life. I am the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. And he knew that we were included. We were in union with him in his death, resurrection, ascension. He, when he's laid down, when we, he died, we died. When he was raised, we were raised. When he ascended, he ascended. He knew that was going to happen. In contrast to the hireling, which is the people he's talking about, the Pharisees and all the, and the religious leaders that came before. The hirelings, who is not the shepherd or owner of the sheep, sees the wolf approach and leaves the sheep unattended and, and flees for his life, while the wolf kills and scatters the sheep at will. The hireling is doing the job merely for wages and not because of any affection for the sheep. Flip over to Romans 4. I just love this scripture. Just popped in my head, so gotta say it. We know the amplified here because I can find it faster. I love this. It's talking about Abraham. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to his account as righteous. He just believed what God believed, what God told him. Now, to a laborer, his wages are not counted as a favor, but an obligation. But the one who, not working by the law, trusts in him who justifies with the gun godly, his or her faith is credited to him as righteousness. In other words, no wages, just faith. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, the one who knows what is mine, and, and they know me. And I love this scripture here, verse 15. My knowledge of the Father is anchored. I'll say it again. My knowledge of the Father is anchored. I mean, it's Secure, it's not moving anywhere in his knowledge of me. In other words, he, what he knows to be true about me is, is mine, what, what I know to be true about him. And remember, he is the very image and likeness of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. Is Jesus the Father? No, but the Father's living in him, and so is the Spirit. And the Spirit of Christ is living in him. The whole Godhead is living in him. It says that in Colossians 10, 9, and 10. Mine, okay, verse uh, 16. I also have other sheep that are not of this fold, the Gentiles. I must lead them too for, I must lead them too for them to hear my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Okay. Now, I want to flip over to Ephesians, the second chapter. Eleven through fourteen. This is good stuff. I I love Paul's teachings. I just they just make me just go crazy. Eleven. Remember, now he's. I like to say this. I always tell people, you know, when I think about it, I don't understand why the Gentiles are trying to get into this old covenant 
it was never given to you or me. It was given to the Jews. And God is telling them to come out of it. That's basically what the book of Hebrews is about. Believe, come into the new agreement, the good, come to faith. Look at to Abraham, move out to the new. So remember where you came from. He's talking, about the, he's talking to the Gentiles. It wasn't long ago when you were still classified as non-Jewish or Gentile. Judging on the surface, you had nothing that linked you to them, to the Jews. Nothing to link you to them. They stared at you because you didn't share their distinguishing mark of circumcision, which was their claim to fame. During that time, you were distance, distance from Messianic hope. At that time when you were Gentile, the other versions say you had no hope in the world. The promise wasn't given to you. You had nothing in common with Israel. You felt foreign to the covenants of prophetic promise, living a life with nothing to look forward to in a world where God seemed absent. Another version say where, where God was not there. But wow, but now, wow, everything has changed. You've discovered yourself to be where? Located in Christ. Say, I, say, I am located in Christ. I was always located in Christ. Colossians 126. From ages and generations, mystery that's hidden, Christ in you. He's always been there. But wow, everything has changed. We have discovered, I love, this is how I like to read the Bible. I have discovered myself located in Christ. What what seems so distant to me is so near. His blood reveals my redeemed innocence and my authentic genesis, where I come from. I come from the Father. You come from the Father. That's how I like to read the Bible, by the way. I like to read it to me. It is in him that I, and everybody else that's a Gentile, are at peace with everyone. He dissolved every definition of division. In his incarnation, remember the incarnation is God dwelling in man, in, in the person of Christ. And actually, he's incarnate now in you. Carney is flesh. You know Spanish. You have some meat. It's carne. It's Latin. Okay? In his incarnation, that was God dwelling in a man, Jesus Christ. He rendered the, listen to this. He rendered the entire Jewish system of ceremonial laws and regulations useless as a measure as a measure to justify human life and conduct, useless. He rendered it useless. In that he died, he died mankind's death, he died your and my death and everybody else's. All grounds for tension and hostility were entirely removed between the two peoples, the Gentiles and the Jews. The peace he proclaims reveals one new human race, one. Created and defined in Christ. Created and defined in Christ. Instead of two groups of people separated by their ethnic identity and differences. And then verse 18. Because of Christ, both Jew and Gentile now enjoy equal access to the Father in one spirit. So he, is, so he, as he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must lead them to, for them to hear my voice. And so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. And we know through the, through the disciples, and Paul especially, they heard that voice and they came running, didn't they? Now listen, my father's love is, compelling, is the compelling, ur, com, oh, sorry, compelling urgency of my mission. So the compelling urgency of his mission is the father's love. And what is it? It's to Jesus to lay down his life 
and receive it back again in resurrection. And listen what he says, no one takes my life from me. I know who I am when I lay it down. And from the same place of my I amness or timeless existence, I take it up again. This is the conclusion of my father's prophetic purpose, which is what I am all about. Now, this is an interesting word because I'm going to catch this word because it's going to come up in the next some chapters of the future. here. Other versions say, this is the commandment I receive from the father. But he says, this is the conclusion of my father's prophetic purpose, which is what I am all about. And if you look in the commentary, the word for commandment is, is the word entole, often translated commandment or precept. It has two components, and in, and telos from teleo. This is to set up for a definite point or goal, properly the point aimed at as a limit. By implication, listen to this, the conclusion of an act or state, the result, the ultimate of prophetic purpose. In other words, the conclusion of prophetic purpose. We, we, you know, the commandment, you do this, you do that. No, it's the conclusion of the prophetic purpose. These words are brought more, uh, those, these words brought more division in their ranks. If you get, I mean, if you haven't done it, look up online and look at the gospel of John and just watch Jesus. I mean, you see boy, oh boy, people, their, their hair and their neck was raised up by the stuff he said and did. I mean, you know, you, sometimes you, when you read the book, you don't quite get that, but when you see it, you go, wow, hard to be a disciple and follow him because, you know, sometimes by association, you get persecuted too, right? Many of them said that he had a demon and was mad. Why waste your time listening to him? Others said, these words are definitely not the words of someone with a demon. Also, demons do not open the eyes of the blind. All right. 